0: Good morning. When I was 21 years old, I did something that only 21-year-olds do. When you're 21, you do crazy stuff that you probably wouldn't do when you get older. And your parents definitely wouldn't let you do if you were still living under their roof. And uh, what what I did when I was 21 is I was sitting in my college dorm room, and my friend had come across a magazine that had this article about the world's largest roller coaster it was a roller coaster uh, at cedar point amusement park in sandusky ohio and it was called the millennium force and we looked at this picture of the roller coaster in the magazine and we saw how it how the roller coaster slowly made its way to the top of this uh, of this first bin and then it was a 300 foot drop, almost straight down, reaching close to 100 miles an hour. And we just looked at these pictures and read these statistics and we thought, oh man, we gotta go on this roller coaster. And so one of my friends, who's kind of the math major of the group, the math nerd, begins to calculate how long it would take us to drive there. We estimate 10 and a half hours trip from where we were, Minneapolis, Minnesota, to Sandusky, Ohio. ten and a half hours, that means if we leave right now, we can be there when the gates open in the morning. So five of us pile into an old Ford Taurus, three of us in the back seat, and we drive through the night, get there right before the gates open and make a dead sprint to the Millennium Force, and we rode that thing over and over and over again and all the other roller coasters. At the end of the day, we're exhausted. I mean, we drove through the night we went. We uh, rode roller coasters all the way until they kicked us out when the gates closed. And you know how tiring it can be to be at an amusement park. Think about a, a whole day at Disneyland, uh, standing in the sun in those long lines, or at the or, or at Knott's Berry Farms. And so we are exhausted. And now we've got to drive through the night to get back to our uh, to get back to the campus. And uh I don't know why I did this, but I said, I'll take first shift. I am a terrible night driver. In fact, uh Chelsea knows this. Uh, whenever the sun goes down, basically she's gonna drive. And I went into the ditch one time because I fell asleep at the at the wheel. But uh, and so I'm a I don't know why I chose to be the first shift driving other than I thought, well, let me just get it over with and then I can sleep in the back seat the rest of the way. We're 45 minutes down, to the, down the road and I'm doing these, these types of things. <laughs> I'm falling asleep. I can't keep my eyes open. And my friend looked at me and says, Corey, enough is enough. Just sleep, I'll drive. And so I climbed into the back uh, seat of the car and, uh, and began to doze off. I must have been half asleep and half awake because I can remember uh, being able to see what was around me and, uh, and yet I was partially asleep. I, I was dreaming that I was still driving and we were approaching a toll booth and I remember freaking out. I, I was yelling, I can't control the car. I can't, we're going to hit this toll booth. And I'm yelling. And finally, my friend uh, who's sitting in the passenger seat simply turns around and places his hand on my knee and says, and that's okay because you're not driving. (laughs) And that was enough for me. That's all I needed to hear. Oh yeah, I'm not driving anymore. And I closed my eyes and fell asleep. Today's sermon is about worry. These times in our lives when we worry, we're, we're freaking out because uh, it feels like our lives are out of control, and we worry about all kinds of things. What do you worry about? Maybe you worry about your finances or your health. Maybe you worry about uh, your kids or or. Or being able to go out on that date that you want to go out, out on. Will you ever get married? You worry about your job. You worry about the job interview. You worry about. Uh, you worry about what other people think of you. And we, and we worry, worry, worry. In fact, this is, seems to be a common problem in our society. Being American is almost the equivalent of being a worrier. The WHO, the World Health Organization, has noted that America is the most anxious country in the world. One-third of Americans suffer from an anxiety disorder at some point in their lives, and young adults are the most anxious of all. According to this study by the WHO, Half of millennials report that they have lost sleep or lain awake at night at least one night each uh, during the last month. And coronavirus has not helped our stress levels. I came across these statistics from the American Psychological Association, a survey given to parents. A family member, 74% said that they are stressed about a family member getting coronavirus. 74% also said stressed about the government response to coronavirus. 74% about the disruption of their uh, normal routines. Almost the same amount, almost three quarters percent about getting coronavirus or and 71% about uh, their about distance or online learning for their children. Again, I go through the I may mean, I go through these more quickly. 70% about their basic needs, 67 about self-isolation, 66 about healthcare services, 62, 63 about missing out on major major milestones and all that to say that we are living in frightening times. And yet the Bible tells us, do not worry. In Luke in Luke 12:22, Jesus says, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Part of me wants to say, "Come on, Jesus! Don't you know the? Uh, the you said that almost two thousand years ago, and in, in twenty twenty, uh, surely do not worry can't apply to us in the same way. We're we're living through a pandemic right now, and yet this, and yet this, these words from Jesus are not a suggestion or a, some good advice to apply here and there when we find convenient. Do not worry is a command. It's an imperative in the original language Greek. Do not worry uh, is not a uh, do sometimes. It's a command for all times. This is, uh, worry is not a must do. Not worrying as Christians is the must do. We are to live lives that are free from worry. And I'll admit that's easier said than done. But this is the life of a follower of Jesus. To take his teaching here seriously and to live a life without worry. And so let's look at Jesus' teaching on worry. It's found in uh, Luke 2 starting in verse 22, and we'll be going through verse 34. It opens by saying, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about, uh, or about your body, what you will where? Let me, let me just pause there for a second and make an observation. The first thing I might know is that the things Jesus tells us not to worry about are very basic things. What you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, these things that are, that are kind of necessities in your life. But Jesus doesn't say about what you're going to eat right now in the moment. What will you eat what will you wear? E- uh, what will you wear? Jesus places worry always in the future tense. You see, we can think about our lives as three points on a line. There is obviously the past, and there is the present, or, I mean, there is the present and there is the future. When we, fit, when we place our minds on the past, what happens is that we, that we get filled with regret. But when we focus on the future all the time, what it leads to is anxiety. And Jesus is going to challenge us to live a life free of worry means to live in the present. And the result of living in the present is we learn to live in a state of trust in God. And gratitude towards what he has given us. And it really leads to peace. You see, if we spend all our time thinking about the past, we'll live in regret. And if we spend all our time thinking about the future, we're going to be filled with anxiety. Our challenge this morning is to live in the present. These characteristics of that type of life are a much better way of living our lives. Jesus tells us not to worry about the future and then he goes on to say, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. I'll have to admit when I see the, this verse, I think, you know, l- food and clothing are not my normal concerns. I definitely have enough food to eat, as you can obviously tell. And, uh, and, I, and I have more clothing than I uh, care to admit. I could probably... Go through my wardrobe and not repeat it uh, for several months, and this is the w- way we are. And yet, our and yet we worry about our lives and the things that seem to be so central to our lives. Whenever I'm preparing a sermon, it seems uh, to be that I uh, struggle with the topic of that sermon during that week. And this week was no exception. I hate to admit this, but this has been a week where I have struggled with worry in my own life. Earlier in the week, uh, I, was, I was just almost getting overwhelmed with anxious, with anxious thoughts. And, I, and so... I went into the house. I said, hey, Chelsea, can I talk to you? And, and the kids are home and they're doing their schoolwork and we went into the bedroom and, and uh, I just began to pour out all of the things that were weighing on my heart and, and, and I wish that I could say I did it in a rational way but here I am griping and complaining and fussing about all kinds of things and Chelsea finally turns to me and she says, do you enjoy being hard on yourself? And I was like, Ouch, <laughs> that, that hurts a little bit. Do, do we enjoy harming ourselves? Because worry is not doing us any good. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying here. Uh, life is more than food and drink and more than clothing. And, and yet these are the things that we fix our mind upon and we can't change all of it. We can't change any of it. Paul says it this way in Philippians 4, the Lord is near. You know, notice here that that Paul is drawing us into the present moment. The Lord is is here right now. Live in the moment. Live with the Lord's presence in our minds. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is is a, a... is a description of of the present moment. Present your request to God. So Jesus is calling us, Jesus and and Paul are calling us to live a life that is free from worry. Live a life that is full of peace. In fact, I want to highlight a couple, uh, kind of really, to be honest, very, very basic truths that are foundational for us living a life that is free from worry. And these truths are not going to blow us out of the water like, I've never heard that before. Of course, everything changes now. These, these are truths that we know uh, no matter how long we have been in the church. And yet these are the truths that a life without worry hangs upon The first that I must highlight is that God is in control. When we we have a knowledge of God's control, that helps us to, to begin to lay aside worry. The second is God's care. That God is in control, that he's sovereign, and that he cares about us. Now, when we add those two things together, God's control and God's care, that equals your peace. And this is the peace equation that we must not know just mentally, but we must let sink into our hearts. To meditate on the fact that God is in control and that God cares for us. If, if we really believe those things like deep down into our into our souls, it leads to peace. This is the peace equation god 's control plus god 's care equals your peace. Now to drive home these these uh, points, Jesus uses two illustrations. The first illustration he talks about is uh, he talks about the birds of the air. Verse 24, it says, "Consider the ravens; they do not sow or reap, they do not have storerooms or barns, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are, uh, uh, and how much more valuable you are than the birds?" The birds, uh, they, they work hard. They build nests, but they don't uh, worry about these things. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? This is Adding a, very, a, a single hour to your life, the most basic of things, worry can't do that. Why do we get so worked up about things? One of the joys for me during this time of shelter at home has been to watch this blue jay who's building a nest right outside my office. I know that picture is a bit grainy, but that's but I took that from the window uh, that's uh, looking out my home office. And that blue jay has been, he started building this nest right when we uh, began shelter at home. And so For the last couple months, I've been watching him every day, going and picking up his twigs and building his his nest. And it's been one of the joys during this time. It's been a reminder of how God cares even for the birds. Now, what Jesus is driving home here is, if God cares for the birds, which, to be honest, This bird is not that valuable in terms of monetary significance. If God cares for the birds, how much more will he surely care for us? Those of us that are his children created in his image. Jesus says, don't worry about the future. The birds don't worry about the future and God cares for them. Surely he's going to care for you as well. And what Jesus is sh- saying here, I almost think the illustration brings chuckles from the crowd. You're worth more than a lot of birds. Dallas Willard picks up on the humor of this illustration when he says, Have you ever tried to price someone in terms of birds? Perhaps five sparrows, a hawk, two cockatoos, and a bald eagle. Have you, uh, what do you think you're worth? I would say maybe... Uh, 1,500 blue jays, 1,000 peacocks, and two dozen ostriches. It's ridiculous, right? The point is, God cares for the birds. He's surely going to care for us. We're in his care. And he's con- in control of the universe. And when we uh, ground ourselves in those true truths, it helps us to lay aside worry. The second illustration that uh, Jesus gives us here in this passage is that of Flowers. Consider the wild fl- uh, how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Solomon, who can read about him in the Old Testament, richest man in the world, had anything and everything that he could ever uh, want, had all the the spectacular garments and uh, kingly and priestly uh, robes and just this man that had anything he wanted. And yet compared to the flowers, the flowers were far more beautiful. Some of you are gardeners and what may be more beautiful than a rose or a or a field of wild flowers so beautiful and yet we as his children are we're, are infinitely more beautiful than that we are created in his image surely if he takes care of the flowers he will take care of us now the flowers have no control over their future They're simply, uh, they don't choose what soil they're planted in. They don't control the sun or the rain. They don't prune themselves. And yet God takes care of them. Surely he will take care of us. And Jesus, after he gets done giving these two illustrations, has four words that sent shockwaves through my own heart as I was thinking and praying about this passage. Jesus says, You of little faith. You of little faith. How many of us, when we examine the worry in our lives, would be uh, touched by those words from Jesus? You of little faith. Again, we know intellectually that God is in control and God cares for us, but do we believe that in our hearts? Do we have faith? Do we really trust in God? When we look at the worry of our lives, would we be described as someone of little faith or of great faith? Unfortunately for me, I know that Far too often I would fall into the camp of those with little faith. But let me assure you this morning, things are not just better than you think. They are infinitely better than you think. Things will not just turn out well. They will turn out indescribably, inconceivably well and it's been said many times lately, we'll get through this. But I just want to let you know that we're not going to just get through this. We're going to, be, we're going to thrive through this. God's going to bless us so much. In fact, he's going to bless our socks off. I have no idea what that phrase means, to be honest with you. He's going to bless your socks off. But my grandma used to say, uh, anything that was just incredibly great, uh, what we were going to have our socks knocked off. And, that's, and as I was thinking about what we were going through uh, here lately, I just, I just thought, you know, what's, what's going to come of this is going to be so great, and God's going to knock our socks off. That's what I uh, read here in verse 32 when it says, do not be afraid, little children, for the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom, the whole kingdom, all of God's blessings, all of his goodness and his peace and his joy. Now, it might not always go exactly the way we want, but but God is in control and he cares for us. It's pleased him. It's brought him great pleasure to give us the whole kingdom, all of his blessings. He's going to bless the socks off of us. He's going to knock our socks off. He's going to give us a life full of righteousness, peace, and joy. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. And we've been looking at Jesus' words this morning on how he's going to provide us food to eat and, what we need for the body. But the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the life of a Christ follower. A life full of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So may we receive that kind of life into our, uh, may we receive that kind of life from God a life that is full of righteousness, peace, and joy. May we seek after those types of things. Jesus said to seek after the kingdom. Going back to his teaching here in Luke 12, he says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world, those that are not Christians, they run after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But Seek his kingdom and these things, the things that the world runs after, these things will be given to you as well. In other words, God's going to provide for all your needs. The same Greek word is used here for runs after as for seek. In the English, they translate it differently. I don't know why, to be honest, but but what Jesus is teaching us here is to seek his kingdom, to run after it, to pour all our energy into, into seeking after God, to seeking to do the things of God and to, and, to, um, and to pursue him with our lives. And when we do, all these other things will be taken care of as well. Not only the things, the outer things, but the things of our heart. Because God has been pleased to give us the kingdom. The kingdom that is full of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When I was in my car at 21 years old, when I was in that car at 21 years old and I was half asleep, I wasn't able to calm down until my friend reached back and put his hand on my knee and reminded me, you know what, it's okay that you can't control the car because you're not driving And here this morning, I just want to remind us, no matter what we're going through, it's okay that we can't control this situation because we're not driving. God's in control. We're in the back seat and we're going to receive the good news that he's in control and he cares for us and we will have peace and and fall asleep in that knowledge. And so one more time, our reminder for this morning is that God is in control and that God cares about us and that we are given the freedom to live a life of peace, a life without worry, a life of peace. So don't freak out. Don't worry. Don't, don't uh, get full of anxiety. I know it's easier said than done, but cast your cares upon God and uh, trust in him because he truly is in control And he truly cares for you more than we could ever imagine. And may our hearts be filled with his peace. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just come before you this morning and, uh, we just want to rest in the knowledge of these fundamental truths. That God, you are the King of the universe that you sit on your throne in heaven. And, uh, And nothing that happens on this earth will uh, be outside of your control. But in fact, you are working out all things together for our good. And so may we trust in you and may we be filled with peace because we know that you care for us. That you love us so much and that we are your children. And so, God, this morning, I pray that we would be able to rest in those two fundamental truths, that you're in control and that you care for us. And may you fill us with peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.